The following podcast contains advertising. To access an ad-free version of the Lawfare podcast, become a material supporter of Lawfare at patreon.com lawfare. That's patreon.com lawfare. Also, check out Lawfare's other podcast offerings, Rational Security, Chatter, Lawfare No Bull, and The Aftermath. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think it is the sleeper case that's going to rise up and be the potential demise of Donald Trump. I I think that if I were Donald Trump, I would be very, very, very worried. I'm Benjamin Wittes, and this is the Lawfare Podcast, October 18th, 2022. Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis is closing in on Donald Trump's 2020 election meddling. She could begin issuing indictments as soon as December, CNN reports. She's been busy in the meantime. She's gotten testimony from a long list of the former president's allies, and she's sought testimony from even more who are still resisting, all of which has America wondering, and I'm sure you're wondering, what the heck is a special purpose grand jury? Why can't it indict people? And what does it mean for Rudy Giuliani to be a target of a grand jury if it can't even issue any indictments? You know, what's going on down there in Fulton County? And this is the reason why I asked our Fulton County court reporter, Anna Bauer, to write a big Q&A piece entitled Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Georgia Special Purpose Grand Juries But Were Afraid to Ask. Anna Bauer is a third-year student at Harvard Law School. She hails from Georgia, where she has been covering the Fulton County DA investigation and special grand jury. It's the Lawfare Podcast, October 18th. Anna Bauer explains it all for you. Anna, let's start with the word special. What makes a special purpose grand jury special? So a special purpose grand jury in Georgia is special for a few reasons. Uh, The first is just the element of time. A regular grand jury in Georgia, and I should mention that in every state, uh, grand jury practice is different. And at the federal level, it's different as well. But in Georgia, a regular grand jury usually will meet for a two-month term of court. Um, and during that time, uh, the grand jurors will see, you know, hundreds of cases where they'll be asked to issue indictments in those cases. Sometimes they also have civil functions they carry out, like inspections of the county jail, for example. But for the most part, they're they're being asked to issue indictments. But a special purpose grand jury is not limited by that time. Instead, a special purpose grand jury can be impaneled for many months. Um, So it kind of allows the grand jurors to focus on one singular issue. 
And that means that they can develop expertise and really kind of get into these complex cases. So often special purpose grand juries for that reason are used for particularly complex issues or subject matter. You know, at the federal level, for example, special grand juries, which is the kind of federal equivalent of of Georgia's special purpose grand jury, they've been impaneled to look at environmental crimes or uh, corporate misconduct and and that kind of thing. So often they're used for those uh, kind of very complex issues. So a special purpose grand jury is basically like a grand jury that really wanted to be a journalist when it grew up. (laughs) That's exactly what a special purpose grand jury is. Yes. So and, and I think on that point, too, you know, Special purpose grand juries have a reporting function that a lot of these other grand juries don't. So in Georgia, in whenever a grant a regular grand jury is exercising its kind of what people might say the criminal or accusatory function, um, which is when it's asked to issue an indictment, usually whenever a, a grand jury in Georgia is exercising what's known as its criminal or accusatory function. So the function of a grand jury when it's issuing indictments. If it decides to not issue an indictment, it can't, for example, write a report where it says, well, even though this person didn't commit a crime, the conduct was still really bad. And that's something that actually special purpose grand juries can do. Um, They can do that with respect to public officials. They have done it in the past, and it is a little bit unclear how that reporting function will apply here. But it is very interesting that they do have the ability to issue this public report that could potentially focus on misconduct of public officials that doesn't amount to criminal wrongdoing. But even if it does focus just on the criminal wrongdoing, it's important as well to note that it can't issue indictments. It can only recommend indictments in that public report that it presents. Right. So sticking with this metaphor, which I'm going to beat to death, uh, that a special purpose grand jury is a grand jury that wanted to be a, a, a journalist when it grew up. It's like almost like, you know, the fairy godmother of the special purpose grand jury says, OK, you can be a journalist. You can write reports. You don't have to focus just on criminal activity. You can, you know, call people out and call out their bad deeds even if they're not crimes, but I'm going to take away from you in exchange for all of that, the actual power that a grand jury has to issue indictments. And so it's like, it's almost like they have this, you know, like they gave up the essential quality of grand jurydom and got the report writing function. Obviously the history is wrong. There was no fairy godmother, but is that the trade basically that you get these you get a grand jury that can zero in on with intensity on an issue that can do all kinds of naming and shaming, do all kinds of report writing, but can't do what we think of a grand jury as essentially for. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I mean, I you alluded to the fact that the history is wrong, and I go into this in the piece, but it really doesn't make sense in terms of the 
grand jury statute in Georgia. I just meant the history was wrong in that it wasn't a fairy godmother that made this trade. But yeah, your your point about the history is interesting. So flesh it out. How did the special purpose grand jury, if not from like a fairy godmother turning it into a journalist, how did it come to play this function? Right. Well, it actually wasn't until 2012 that uh, special purpose grand juries did not have the ability to indict. So before that, it actually was able to have its cake and eat it too. It didn't have to give up the, there wasn't any kind of trade in the way that you described it. But until that point, it's just that special purpose grand juries were not very commonly used in Georgia. They were created in the 1970s following the federal statute that is a kind of comparator statute. Those grand juries are called special grand juries, not special purpose grand juries, but they're used in many of the same ways. And it's this statute that kind of was trying to target organized crime. Like I said, often those cases are very complex. And and so it made sense to have a special purpose grand jury look at that for a longer period of time and focus on on one type of case. And so for many years, uh, these special purpose grand juries, many district attorneys assumed that they did have the power to bring back indictments. And there's at least one example in Georgia's history where they did. And then in 2012, There was a county commissioner who was indicted by a special purpose grand jury, and he challenged that. And he said, actually, if you read the statute, these grand juries don't have the the power to indict. And the Georgia Court of Appeals agreed. There's nothing in the statute that would actually prevent special purpose grand juries from bringing back indictments. And I go into this in the piece a little bit, but... It, it seemed that the court, Georgia Court of Appeals in that case where it ended up deciding that special purpose grand juries could not bring back indictments, they seemed to misread some earlier case law that kind of indicated that special purpose grand juries are civil bodies or civil investigations. And, and to the court, that was one reason why they thought, oh, well, if it's a civil investigation, you know, you can't bring back an indictment. But do you think as a functional matter, uh, there's any probability that Fannie Willis will try to use this grand jury to issue indictments? Or should we expect that it will simply be used to write a report and then any indictments she might want to bring, she'll go through a regular grand jury process for? Oh, no, I absolutely do not think that Fonnie Willis will try to use the special purpose grand jury to bring back indictments. I think she's been very clear that the special purpose grand jury is conducting an investigation and that it will write a report and and make recommendations. I think that it would not be a, a wise choice to try to challenge case law as it stands on the inability of the special purpose grand jury to bring back indictments. Mainly just because, I mean, it would it would be locked up in litigation for a very long time. Um, so I think that it, even though it seems that the decision was was not very well reasoned, it it would be uh, somewhat futile to try to challenge it and and use this special purpose grand jury. Instead, what I I think 
is clear is that the special purpose grand jury that is currently impaneled will write a report. It will make recommendations. And then Fonnie Willis will impanel a regular grand jury and present certain evidence that has been presented or gleaned from the special purpose grand jury's investigation to that regular grand jury. And then if they vote to bring back indictments, then they will. Let's talk about a few oddities of this special purpose grand jury process that have come up in the course of this investigation. One of them is that uh, though a special purpose grand jury cannot issue an indictment, this one does seem to have issued a bunch of target letters. Uh, According to your piece, target letters have gone out from the district attorney's office to 20 individuals, and uh, Rudy Giuliani is one of them that emerged in the course of his discussions about testifying before the special purpose grand jury. So what does it mean to be a target of a grand jury? I know what that means in the federal system. It means they're going to indict you within a couple of weeks. What does it mean to be the target of a grand jury that can't indict people? It means something very similar to what it would mean to be a target for a grand jury that is conducting an investigation and that can indict individuals. It simply means that prosecutors feel that there is evidence to support an indictment or that an indictment could be forthcoming or or perhaps even likely. Something that has been interesting to me to learn from speaking with uh, Georgia criminal law practitioners is that these target letters that were sent out actually are not something that's common practice in in Georgia grand jury practice. It seems that that is not often how notification takes place in Georgia. But outside of that, it does not, it doesn't seem all that unusual to notify someone that they are a target in a special purpose grand jury investigation, simply because the prosecutor has the ability to impanel a regular grand jury and receive indictments from that regular grand jury. So it's almost kind of like if they suspect maybe that a regular grand jury would indict, then that is is sufficient to still kind of designate someone as a target. So should should I understand it then as the the grand jury is saying if we were a regular grand jury, we would totally want to indict you. Is it Fonnie Willis's way of saying, I'm going to indict you as soon as I have a grand jury that's capable of doing it? Or is it the grand jury's way of saying, we are going to recommend your indictment in our recommendations in our report? Who should Giuliani think is is after him at this point? That's a good question that I'm not entirely sure that I know the answer to, but I, I do think that there's something else to consider here, which is not just the fact that perhaps Fonnie Willis or the grand jurors believe there is evidence to support an indictment, but also that target letters are a way of ensuring that the prosecutor has dotted their I's and crossed their T's in terms of due process considerations and the appearance of fairness. So 
I think that that's something else that perhaps is going on here. I I didn't get too much into this in the piece, but there is case law in Georgia that talks about the reporting function of the special purpose grand jury and the importance of having these kind of minimal due process protections before a grand jury releases a general presentment or the public report, as, as we would call it. And if it has named individuals in that report, and if they're not going to be indicted, then, you know, the court talks a little bit about these kind of due process protections. And so I think that these target letters kind of, in some respect, are not only that there's this potential for indictment, but also the prosecution making sure that they are kind of following all the steps they need to and that they don't get into trouble later on with maybe a motion for expungement or redaction and that kind of thing with the report. All right. So let's talk about the report because I think that's, you know, people seem to think it is coming relatively soon, uh, although everybody understands the investigation to be in stealth mode uh, until the November midterms. But after that, you know, particularly if CNN is right and she is going to start recommending indictments in, in December, we should be reaching a point of critical mass with respect to the special grand jury investigation. So, What's the time frame in which we expect this special purpose grand jury to wind up its work and issue its report? And then we'll get into the nature of the report itself. The CNN reports say that indictments could start be being issued in December. I don't know how to take that in terms of whether or not that means that the report will be issued at the same time. My thinking is that it probably would be because in the past, the special purpose grand juries that have been impaneled that I have looked at, it's always a sequential kind of thing where the report is issued and then there's the um, indictment. I have not seen a case where an indictment is issued while the special purpose grand jury is still proceeding with its work. And I think that there's, you know, a lot of considerations that maybe would go into that um, if they did decide to do it differently. That's, of course, not to say that just because something hasn't happened in the past doesn't mean it can't happen in the future. But I'm not sure, again, what to make of the CNN report about indictments coming down in December, because there's good reason to think that the special purpose grand jury's work is not able to wrap up by then because there's a lot of litigation that is still ongoing in terms of various witnesses' testimony. There were material witness certificates that were just issued for people like Michael Flynn and Newt Gingrich, and they're not scheduled to testify until the end of November. So Again, you know, I could certainly be wrong and it doesn't matter if the special purpose grand jury hasn't fully wrapped up its work and issued a report, but it will be very interesting to see, you know, how things go because I'm not really sure what to make of the CNN report. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, so let's, let's say the CNN report represents the early side of the timeline. So we could see action or a report if they are correct as early as December. What is the outer edge of the timeline like? Uh, So the outer edge of the timeline would be May, which is when the special purpose grand jury was officially seated in the impaneling order that was handed down by Chief Judge Brasher. It specified that the special purpose grand jury's term is not to exceed a period of one year. That doesn't mean that it couldn't be extended, of course. So we could go even longer than that potentially. But I would assume, based on the pace of Fonnie Willis's investigation so far, and based on comments that she's public comments that she's made, I, I doubt that it will go past a year. All right. So somewhere between December and May, there will be a special purpose grand jury report. What do we know about? whether we are going to be able to read that report. How obvious is it that that report will be public? And, you know, is it a report that will be like the Mueller report, you know, hundreds of pages in narrative form? Or can it be much more skeletal than that? What should one expect when one is expecting a Georgia special purpose grand jury report? First, what we know about whether the public will ever see that report, it's unclear because it's in the special purpose grand jury's hands. Under the statute, the special purpose grand jury can recommend the publication of the report from the special purpose grand jury investigations that I have researched. It it does seem that it is almost always the case that the grand jurors recommend the publication Often that they are published in, you know, the county legal organ or legal publication, but it seems that it would be open to the grand jurors to specify other ways of publishing the report. It is also true that the publication of the report can be subject to periods of being sealed by the supervising judge. In the past, there have been lengthy delays because individuals who are named the report, as I mentioned previously, have brought challenges based on 
wanting to redact certain things that they consider extraneous or embarrassing. So there could be a period of litigation over whether or not the report is published. And on your second question about what the report will look like, it's very unclear. It, it, there's nothing in the special purpose grand jury statute that specifies exactly what the report should look like. I think that much of it will depend on the grand jurors and, and how they see their role, but also how Fonnie Willis sees her role and what advice she will give to the grand jurors as far as being the legal advisor of the grand jury. We do know a little bit about what Fonnie Willis's team perhaps would like to see or, or how they would envision the report. At a hearing that I went to this summer, one of the assistant district attorneys mentioned that the report would only contain recommendations about criminal indictments. And that's interesting because in the past, special purpose grand juries have included recommendations for a lot of things that don't involve criminal indictments. Like what? I mean, presumably not about restaurants or or which movies to see. What what kind of things do special purpose grand juries provide recommendations for? In terms of specific individuals, uh, special purpose grand juries have recommended non-criminal sanctions or disciplinary actions. So, for example, um, maybe ethics violations action. In, in other instances, they've recommended impeachment and removal from office for certain county officials. But then they also make broader policy recommendations occasionally. At one point, a a special purpose grand jury recommended total reorganization of the county government. Um, So they have made some very uh, broad recommendations in the past. Obviously, those special purpose grand juries had very different mandates. They were doing different things. So there's reason to think that here we might have a more narrowly tailored report that is focused mainly on the recommendations for criminal indictments. However, there's another version of the report that could hypothetically exist that is more kind of Mueller report narrative or truth commissioning like, and that kind of has a much more broader scope. Um, So it's really unclear, but If I had to guess, I would say that it's going to be a more narrowly tailored report that is just focused on kind of recounting the factual evidence that supports recommendations for criminal indictments. Do you have any doubt that Fonnie Willis means to bring indictments? I mean, it seems to me that if you're the Fulton County DA and you have launched an investigation of this magnitude and you are dragging numerous former high presidential aides, senators, uh, lawyers, and politicians across state lines to testify for your grant before your grand jury, it would be quite a flame out if you then issued a report that said, well, you know, some some uh, untoward stuff here. It's really not best practices, but I'm not going to, I don't actually think anybody should be indicted. It 
it seems to me she's all but tipped her hand on that, leave aside everything she's said in just the way she's conducted the investigation. Am I reading that wrongly, do you think? Or do you think she's, you know, basically all but told us what she's planning to do? I think you're exactly right, Ben. And I think there's even more local context as well that could put some real pressure on Fonnie Willis to ensure that this investigation was worth it, so to speak. There's been a crisis in the Fulton County jails at the moment that's been getting a lot of press attention locally. Much of it has to do with delays in indicting people. So there have been many, many people who have been sitting in jail in Fulton County who have been unindicted for more than 90 days. It's it's really been it's it's been very, you know, controversial for her. And so it's at the same time as she has that going on, there's this really sophisticated investigation of the former president. And you have to wonder, you know, what she is thinking about whether or not to bring indictments and how this investigation will turn out and and what the response will be from people in her district where there's a perception that she's not putting resources where she should be. So I think that that's something else that to me has been interesting to look at in the news cycle for the past two weeks. Other than that, though, I mean, I'd certainly think that it seems like she would not be going through all of this trouble of creating this investigation and putting all of these resources into it and not have plans to bring indictments. All right. So you mentioned previously that she still seems to have a lot of business pending, uh, getting people to testify. Uh, what do we know about what remains on the plate of the special purpose grand jury just in terms of witnesses whose testimony they have sought but have not yet received? There are a number of witnesses who Fonnie Willis has not yet secured the testimony for. Some of the bigger names that come to mind, there's an ongoing 11th Circuit battle uh, over whether or not Lindsey Graham will be compelled to testify in Georgia. His claims are that he basically is immune from testifying under the speech or debate clause of the Constitution. Fonnie Willis has not yet secured the testimony of Brian Kemp. He was unsuccessful in a recent motion to quash his subpoena. But the supervising judge said, you know, considering that there's a midterm election coming up, you need to wait until after the midterms to have a sitting governor come in and and testify. Uh, There's also recent subpoenas that were issued for Michael Flynn and Newt Gingrich. She will have to go through the out-of-state witness process to obtain their testimony, and that can be a lengthy process. And then in the next week, there's a hearing in South Carolina for the testimony of Mark Meadows. And in that hearing, a judge will decide whether or not he can be compelled to come and testify in Georgia. So off the top of my head, those are the few of the bigger ones. 
obviously there's also still the question of whether or not Bonnie Willis would potentially subpoena Trump. Um, she has indicated in the past that it is a consideration. So that is yet to be seen. And you describe in the piece that she's had some difficulty with out-of-state courts, particularly in Texas. In your estimation, is she getting uh, access to the witnesses that she will need to resolve this, or is this uh, is she going to get wrapped up in, you know, not being able to hear from people that it would be essential to hear from to do this investigation comprehensively? Right. So there are three Texas witnesses who it could be a problem for her that the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals has seemed to suggest that it would, for a number of reasons, not compel those witnesses to come and testify in Georgia under the law that usually would apply in this situation. It's unclear to me what she is going to do about that. I have not seen filings. Uh, It doesn't mean that they don't exist um, because sometimes finding filings in in state court, uh, sometimes they're not put on the docket or there's uh, many different, you know, ways you have to go about finding what's actually going on in, in local courts and state court. It's not as simple as just going on PACER, but... I have I have not seen any indication that she is launching aggressive efforts to get those Texas witnesses under the same out-of-state witness procedure that has applied in these other states. That doesn't mean that she's not, you know, working behind the scenes to maybe try to get someone from her team to go and take a deposition in Texas. That could be something that's happening. But based on the publicly available information and the information that I have, I it's unclear to me what she is doing about those Texas witnesses. On your question of whether she'll have the information that she needs without these witnesses, I, I think the answer is yes. Often these material witness certificates that are issued for or that have been issued for some of these witnesses Phil Waldron, Sidney Powell, Jackie Deason. There's a lot of publicly available information already out there about their participation in the election interference. There's other information that could be gleaned from, for example, the January 6th committee, potentially. And and also there's other information, you know, from other witnesses. So I think that while it would be surely be beneficial to her to have those witnesses come and testify. I'm I'm not convinced that it will be, you know, make or break her case if if they're not able to. So when you look at this in uh you've spent a lot of time over the last few months with this special purpose grand jury. How worried should Donald Trump be about Georgia special purpose grand juries as opposed to, say, Mar-a-Lago or the January 6th investigation? It actually seems like she's quite far along, you know, whether she's far along going to wrap up in December, i.e. a month and a half from now, or 
you know, three or four or five months later, she is, you know, she's significantly further along than, say, the Justice Department seems to be uh, in the Mar-a-Lago investigation. He does not have a friendly district judge a la Eileen Cannon to frustrate her investigation. Rather, she seems to have a pretty supportive bench insofar as she needs one. You know, is this the 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 sleeper case that's going to kind of rise up and and bite him in the butt? I think it is the sleeper case that's going to rise up and be the potential demise of Donald Trump. I I think that it's very interesting to me comparing it to the DOJ Mar-a-Lago case because on one hand, this case is getting much less attention than that case. But often with criminal cases, there's all kinds of extra legal considerations that go into whether or not to prosecute a case. And one of them is whether or not there's just a good story to tell, a story that's going to really get under the skin of jurors. And the Mar-a-Lago case... I don't know that it necessarily has that based on what publicly available information there is. I mean, in the way, at least, that election interference in Georgia does for Georgia voters who are will be the people who would comprise a jury in Fulton County. So I think that it certainly is something that if I were Donald Trump, I would be very, very, very worried about. And Fonnie Willis has indicated that she certainly is prepared to hand out indictments and to take the case as far as she can. One last question. We mentioned earlier that she had issued roughly 20 target letters. Do you interpret that to mean that an initial round of indictments may include up to 20 people, including, you know, basically all of the fake electors? Or is there an element of bravado and bluster in that? Yeah. So like I said, it is very curious to me that these letters were sent when that is is not common practice in Georgia. Um, so you do have to wonder if there is an element of bravada and bluster to it. But at the same time, I, I, I think that the fake electors plot is a core area of focus for Fonnie Willis um, and would be one of the stronger areas in her criminal case because of certain criminal statutes related to interference with an official proceeding and certain election crimes, election-related crimes. So I think that that is not bluster. I think that sending target letters to all 16 of those fake electors is something that she was saying, I, I really mean business here. But again, It's very unclear to me how going forward any of this will go. Will it be that there is no focus on Donald Trump with the report, but there's a focus on recommending indictments for all of these other individuals who have received target letters and then potentially going forward kind of using 
those prosecutions as a way to further investigate Trump's involvement, it's unclear. I, I don't know. So it could be that there's an initial round of indictments and then further criminal investigation later, but I'm not sure. We are going to leave it there, but there is a great deal more where that came from because the article is everything you ever wanted to know about Georgia special purpose grand juries, but were afraid to ask. And if you want to really nerd out on the subject of Georgia special purpose grand juries, or even if you don't, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Anna Bauer, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. The Lawfare Podcast is produced in cooperation with the Brookings Institution, our audio engineer. This episode is the great Kara Schillen of Goat Rodeo. You need to do your part to promote the Lawfare Podcast, so get on it, people. Haven't seen some new reviews recently? Fix that for me on Apple Podcasts, please. If you're one of the slackards who has not yet signed up for our Patreon page, become a material supporter at patreon.com slash lawfare. And, you know, you should tell people that they can learn all about Georgia's special purpose grand juries on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Pinterest. The Lawfare Podcast is edited by Jen Patya Howell. Our music is performed by Sophia Yan, who uh, wrote to me last night that she has left China and is safely in Seoul, South Korea. So for those of you who have been concerned about Sophia, she is well. And as always, thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.